Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful, sunny Colorado day. Now, it is kind of screwing up our ice fishing conditions a little bit. We're going to talk a lot about that during the show today, the existing conditions. There's some solid places where you can, where the ice fishing is very, very good. And there's some questionable places that we want you to be very careful. We're going to cover that. We're also going to talk a lot today about the International Sportsman's Exposition. It starts just this coming week. It's going to be uh, a Thursday through Sunday, and there's going to be so much going on. In fact, Virtually almost every contributor on the show today, uh, except for a couple, is taking part in uh, in the ISE or International Sportsman's Sportsman's Show. So we're going to have a lot of a uh, lot to talk about there, and we got some tickets to give away. And I think it would pay uh, off for you to pay attention during some of the segments because I'll probably use something that comes up in one of the segments as a question to give away some tickets. But speaking of the International Sportsman's Exposition, let's go right to the phone. And joining us from ISC is John Kirk. Good morning, John. Good morning, Terry. Hey, uh, it's a beautiful day here. Are you still up in the northwest area? I am, and it's, uh, well, it, there might actually, it's still just a uh, sunrise, and uh, looks like we may actually have blue skies for a moment at least. Yeah, well, that's, in the wintertime, that's kind of a rarity up there, I think, isn't it? But, exactly. That's yeah. why I say for a moment. I was, I got to tell you a quick story. I was up there on some other business. I can't remember if I was in Portland or Seattle, and it was, it was like around March and of, of, of that year, and this guy said, we've had nine sunny days already this year. Yep. And I thought, and I told him, I said, you realize where I come from, there's 300 days of sunshine a year. You're not impressing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit different here. But it does have its own draw. There's some great fishing up there. You got great rivers. You got the salmon runs. I mean, every place has its draw. And of course, Colorado is a tremendous outdoors, outdoor state. And that's one of the reasons why you bring this show here every year. What is this, like the 44th? Uh, actually, it is. You're right. So it's been going on forever, and I know people think I've been there forever, but I haven't been there for 44 of them. I didn't move to Colorado till 81. So, <laughs> <laughs> But um, there's so much to go on. You know, I know there's some new things, and there's some things we want to highlight, John. But let's start out. If I'm new to the International Sportsman Show, I've never been there. Give me kind of the Reader's Digest view of what I'm going to see when I walk into the Denver Convention Center. Sure, and I think once, uh, uh, and I think it's best um, explained as a visual when when people walk into the facility and walk upstairs down the long aisle to get into the show, they're going to see an eight foot sign, and it's a directional sign, um, and it'll uh, the top there'll be an oval, uh, colorful made of wood that says "Your Life Outdoors," and underneath the sign will be the the other. Uh, pieces of wood that are pointing and they the the top two uh, on the left it says adventure and on the left on the right it says travel and and underneath that it says fishing and hunting and off-road and boating Um, and I think um, people should think of the show as a first step into the outdoors a safe step 
where almost anything that one could find or do or use outdoors is presented by uh, of 500 plus companies whose expertise and, and life passion is to um, you know bring the outdoors to people who are interested and so it really doesn't uh, matter whether or not you've never fished never hunted aren't even interested in fishing and hunting but just want to go outdoors, whether to hike or camp or boat or whatever, um, there's something, some things in, in the show for you. And you can go from zero knowledge and zero equipment to probably more knowledge than you'll ever want and more equipment than you can afford, uh, and then head out um, and, and be uh, you know, well-prepared. And I think uh, even to take that a step further, you mentioned that you don't have to have any knowledge. And the, the two biggest barriers to getting outside are knowledge and an understanding how to get started and then access. And Colorado Parks will be there, too. So later on the show, we'll talk about access, access to do these things. But even the advanced angler, the advanced hunter, the person looking for that once-in-a-lifetime experience will find something at the International Sportsman's Exposition. Yeah, and I think that's that's important. I, I mean, it's a large general sports show, um, and so we have to try to find things that will attract and appeal to the expert, someone such as yourself, which I know is difficult because you've been everywhere, done everything, know virtually everything, um, at least according to your wife, um, Karen. Uh, I'm um, sure she didn't say I know everything. <laughs> she might have said, I think I know everything. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that. Um, but, you know, and it's funny to watch the online comments about people. You know, the, we had a couple of very basic survival things from a couple that is going to be at the show, um, Matt and Brooke Wright, who are awesome uh, people um, who have been on Naked and Afraid and are just really uh, wonderful, wonderful people. But the comment was when, when they were talking about how to find some fresh water in an emergency when you don't have any tools, um, somebody said, well, that's a stupid idea. And, you know, anybody knows that. And um, and I, I wrote back and said, you know, you obviously are more experienced than many of the people who come to the show. Um, and I, I bet that if you came to the show, you'd still learn a lot. And the person apologized and said, well, you're right. And it's it's important that we do have those basics out there. Um, and so, uh, you know, our goal is to offer something uh, for the expert to the newcomer and anywhere in between. By the way, those um, the, that couple you mentioned has been on the radio show with us a couple of years ago, and they are wonderful and knowledgeable and a treat to talk to. They're just exciting. You know, I'm going to veer from the show a minute because, well, it is kind of about the show and what you said, and that's the fact that I watch the news and I hear about these people that get lost, they get injured or lost, and they're out there for 30 hours or 27 hours, and the news, the first thing that newscaster says, and they survived by eating beetles and frogs. Now, <laughs> now they probably did more harm to themselves because they didn't need food in 30 hours. That's right. And and but it's that lack of knowledge by the general media that that you get these misconceptions to get uh, they get just put out there into the general public. And you can come to the International Sportsman's Show. And talk to people who have actually experienced, they've lived it, 
Um, they're, they're experts at it. They research it. And that doesn't mean that you won't have different opinions at times. But you really, it's just, it's just a gathering of knowledge that's just so, so incredible. John, let's go through just a few of the highlights of some of both the, the normal things that people find there and a few of the new things. What would you like to start sure. with? Wow. Um, well, I mean, if, if you're into fly fishing, we have two ponds. We have fly tying. We have two contests. We have entomology. Um, if you're into uh, general fishing, uh, you can you can both cast a general rod and reel um, at one of those ponds, and you can come over and visit a giant demonstration tank filled with huge fish and uh, get lessons from experts uh, and uh, listen to uh, someone who is a legend in the outdoors talk about uh, uh, all the stories. Um, you, if you're a hunter, you can see a, a, a giant trophy elk display, uh, take part in a game-calling contest, or watch seminars on virtually every hunting topic by the leaders in their field at the Adventure Theater. Um, I forgot that at the fly fishing, there's also a fly fishing theater where you can see seminars uh, by the leaders in Colorado's fly fishing. Um, if you're a dog guy, you a woman, you can go to the training uh, air arena and you can have fun by watching uh, dogs dance and you can listen to a vet talk about how to protect your dog or obedience folks, whether you have a, just a dog or hunting dog. Um, if you have uh, like archery, there's a giant archery range um, where there are three different games that are for people who are good or people who have never even picked up a bow. There's a laser shooting, um, new laser shooting range where people can try it totally safely to, to see what it's like to shoot uh, and pick up skills there. Um, probably the thing that, that is most pleasing to me and satisfying to me is a giant youth fair and an outdoor Colorado pavilion that's hosted by Colorado Parks and Wildlife that is filled with free activities for kids and the family. Um, an RC test track, a catch and release pond, live raptors, fly tying, um, a leave no trace challenge trail, uh, other things. Um, and, and new, um, I'm also very proud of this, um, is our campfire theater. And um, it, I have to be careful how I say this because probably all of your listeners are hardcore anglers and hunters, but I'll just say it. This theater doesn't have any fishing or hunting in it. And your your listeners might go, well, you know, the show's going soft on us. Well, we're not. As you can uh, tell by what I've said previously, the show is still hardcore, very, in fact, more hardcore in many ways, uh, hunting and fishing than it ever has been. Um, but the Colorado Campfire Theater is for all those people who want to go outdoors but don't necessarily and I'll add yet, fish or hunt, or even if they never fish or hunt. And it's filled with hiking and camping and van life and family activities, where to go, what to do. Um, and we feel that that theater represents uh, what's happening in Colorado now, whether you like it or not. People are coming to the state, and many of them aren't fishing or hunting. And anglers and hunters go, amen to that. You know, I want to continue doing that. But what they might not realize, and what's absolutely critical, and you understand this more than anyone, if people um, don't um, pay a little bit of money for stamps or tags or licenses, 
uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife doesn't have the money required to upkeep the outdoors, and that includes areas where people don't fish and hunt. And so the outdoors has to continue growing, and those of us who, who love fishing and hunting and may not care about bird watching or camping or hiking you know, have to be a little bit more open because the outdoors needs everybody. Um, you know, that needs more people, young people, new people who are going to bring money and new ideas um, and, and young people to the outdoors to keep it going. Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. In fact, there's a huge push across the country and including Colorado to get people outdoors. This show, uh, our radio show, we talk a lot of hunting and fishing, but we talk about park activities. We talk a lot about camping. Uh, give you an example. There's a state park in Colorado this year that built an igloo you can rent to sleep in. And we, we need wow. we need these people to be out in the outdoors and understand. And, and I think it's part of the sportsman's uh, charge or their mission should be to involve their neighbors in the outdoors in some way so they understand the resources we have because we're going to need this pool of people. We're going to need this pool of voters. We're going to need this pool of uh, eventually, probably they're going to have to pay a little bit to help support because the North American model, which is the hunter and fisherman supports the entire outdoor industry, is shifting a lot. And there's that's right. And the percentage is getting smaller. So we need to bring them on board. And we need to get our kids outside, no matter what they're doing. But let's move on. Uh, before we run out of time, I want to talk specifically about what Karen and I do at the show and what we've got coming up this year. We do the big demo tank. Karen and I host it. Um, and starting last year, we added a feature, and we we made some specific days, and I think it worked out tremendously, don't you? Mm-hmm. And, I do. And and so here's what we did, folks, and we've been talking about this. We'll talk about it more, but Thursday and Saturday are kind of our general days at the tank where the guys that are presenting, we tell them, you know, present things to different levels of fishermen, different techniques, anything from a beginner to maybe a little better technique. But on Friday... We want you to go step it up a little bit because a lot of times the guys that are more advanced want to take the techniques a little further. So we want you on Friday to take those next step techniques, maybe the ones where this person's already got a pretty good basis. That doesn't mean you can't come if you're not knowledgeable. You should come multiple days. But there's going to be opportunities for you to maybe take that next step. And then last year we added what we call the experts corner. And a lot of the same guys that you see appearing on the tank, they go over to the experts corner for an hour at a time. And it's a small table with a banner right by the tank. But instead of talking to a large audience, they sit there and talk to people one, two, three, maybe a half dozen at a time. So you get a lot of one-on-one. You get people like Dan Swanson showing electronics. You get... uh, Austin Parr, some of the real intricacies of ice fishing in Colorado. But there's just a myriad of different topics. And they're all on the website, by the way. So there's we have a lot going on. And then Sunday is our family day. And we call it that because we're just, Karen and I are evangelistic about getting youth into the outdoors. We go to our sponsors. We get free rods and reels to give away to, the I think, the first 50 kids. There'll be a process. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Uh, and Berkeley and, and Shakespeare were gracious enough to step up and donate those rods. But then we also aim that day at seminars that are beginning fishing, getting started fishing, women in the outdoors, families in the outdoors. So we really, it's really taken off. And we want, that's a great point 
for families to come by, for moms to come by, for youth to come by. And we just we're so proud of that. We're running out of time here, John. A couple things I want to ask you. Are there any special parking arrangements? Yeah, this year people uh, who uh, they need to um, realize that uh, Coors Field is under um, uh, construction and and, uh, we've moved parking to Ellich Gardens this year. It's uh, uh, the shuttles, free shuttle, or the shuttle is there. And so for $10, people can park at Ellich Gardens and get a shuttle to and from the show. Uh, It's a little bit more direct, a little bit closer, so it's actually a little bit easier um, and we hope that they take advantage of that parking because sometimes it's hard to park, at least on the weekdays, um, around the facility, if, and especially if you have a big rig. So did you say it was free parking at Elitch? No, it, well, it's, 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 it's $10, but, but it's a free parking, shuttle. You get, yeah, you get the shuttle with the parking. Okay, so that's what it was, $10. That's nothing to park downtown. And then with, no. that, sh- and then with that shuttle taking you right to the door, you're not doing any walking. So Elitch Gardens nope. is where the parking is. John, we are way over on time. I got Parks and Wildlife <laughs> wanting to come on, and we're going to cover a lot of topics with them. But as always, thank you for joining me. And, folks, I kind of remember some of the things John and I talked about today. It might help you win a couple tickets later on in the show. And, uh, John, I will see you on uh, probably Wednesday night. Can't wait to see you guys. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you. John Kirk from the International Sportsman's Exposition. We'll take a quick time out, then we're going to be joined by Parks and Wildlife, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, big game and your impact on them during the winter right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Uh, before we go to our next caller, if you heard me talking to uh, John Kirk from the International Sportsman's Exposition, uh, he said the parking has changed. You, know, you can always park at the convention center and there's downtown lots, but they had always arranged in the past to park at Coors Field. Well, this year it's different because that, that, uh, that parking lot's under construction. So the parking is available at a different place. The first one detects... 303-713-1043, where that parking is now, will give you two free tickets to go to the International Sportsman's Exposition. Now let's go right to the phones, who I hope is patiently waiting. We have Joe Lewandowski from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Good morning, Joe. Morning from wonderful Durango. Terry, nice to talk to you. Is it, uh, what's the weather like down there? Um, you know, we've had some good snow in the last couple of weeks, uh, going to be kind of a more of a temperate weekend. So, you know, we're in the 30s and and so it's very nice. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, we we just would have died for snow and last year we made up a lot. But with the the blessing of the snow and the water, also it, it forces the animal behavior to change a little bit. And that's something we kind of want to talk about from a couple different aspects. And the first one is that Gathering sheds, the antlers that the, that the animals shed, is very popular in Colorado, but they need to understand that there's some restrictions right now. Is that right, Joe? Yeah, this has been in place for a couple of years now, um, and, it, and uh, basically from January 1 through April 30th, uh, hunting or possessing you know, antler sheds on all public lands west of I-25 is uh, prohibited. The reason is we are trying to give animals a rest during winter, not chase them around the landscape, and uh, it's important that they, you know, kind of stay calm, calm out there. 
Well, you're absolutely right, because this weather, you know, first of all, people, uh, these animals are built to withstand the winter, but they move to their winter habitat. They burn a lot of the fat that they've gained the other times of the year. They will lose substantial weight during the year, and food is limited, and moving them around just makes them burn more of that and puts them at risk. Um, and sheds, we don't want people to not go out and get sheds, but we don't. Yeah. We want them to wait to do it, because where those animals are shedding is where they're wintering, and any activity really in those areas will put stress on those animals, won't it? Yeah, let, uh, just you know, to give people an example, say if you know deer will lose thirty percent of their body weight during the winter every year. So, say you weighed one hundred and fifty pounds, by the end of the winter you'd be down to one hundred and five pounds, and then you have to put all that on during the during the summer, and then during the winter you have to live on that. Um, to get you through to the next summer. So um, they are very um, economical about how they use their calories. Um, And uh, they are on winter range. And these are the places that are very critical for wildlife during the winter. Obviously, they they have to scamper out of the high country um, when the snow starts fall because it's too cold, the snow's too deep, there's no food available up there. And when they go to these lower um, altitude areas, this is where they eventually shed their antlers and they're very popular um, areas for you know people to look for antlers. It's a great activity. It's fun. It gets people out, you know, maybe um, in, you know at a different off a trail, looking, you know, walking through some brush, looking at some different kind of habitats. Um, but um, uh, there's plenty of time, you know, after April 30th when the weather's a little nicer, too, to, to be able to collect these things. Well, you're absolutely right. There's an abundance of them, and if you wait and don't don't move the animals around, there's going to be more healthy animals and better sheds in the years to come. But I think the, the overall message isn't just the sheds either. Well, that's a regulation and a restriction people know that you can't go shed hunting in most places till April 30th. Some it's a little later even, I think, but... but the key is really outdoor recreation that would take you where these animals are winter ranging of any kind. Be conscientious about it. Don't you agree, Joe? Yeah, it's um, the, um, you know, the, the winter range is, is kind of the, uh, the limiting factor, we call it, on um, deer and elk populations because, um, you know, it's natural that animals will die during the winter. And um, it's it's a uh, you know it's tough to make a living as a wildlife critter you know 24/7 you're outside and in freezing temperatures and um, so if you don't force those animals to move they're going to be able to you know f- find concentrate on finding food uh, concentrate on resting and uh, and not worried about being you know harassed or chased around by you know dogs or or people walking around, um, and just a little bit of movement uh, for them, uh, it means a lot if they don't have to expend that energy. Well, and other activities, too. You know, if you're just even snowshoeing or cross-country skiing skiing or hiking or um, snowmobiling, um, be conscious of where, if you see these herds of animals, you see these gatherings, really stay clear of them. If you want to watch them, watch them from a distance. Couple of things, you know, we mentioned the activity, but another thing is if you're going into deer and elk ranges for any reason this time of the year, is dogs can really be an issue, can't they? Yeah, um, it's um, you know every year, unfortunately, we get reports of of uh, dogs taking down deer or elk 
Um, and a lot of people say, oh, my dog would never do that. Um, but it's been pretty much proven that, uh, you know, if your dog is left alone in the yard, uh, it's got an easy fence to jump over. If it sees prey, it's going to react naturally to its, um, you know, to how it's evolved over uh, thousands of years. And uh, dogs will give chase and they'll pack up and, and because kind of that's what they're, that's what they learned to do over the years. Um, so even if you think your dog won't be chasing wildlife, uh, think twice. And if you're going into an area for a hike, um, put your dog on a leash that's required. A lot of people don't, um, and, or under very strict, uh, voice command. So, uh, you know, we all love our wildlife in Colorado. That's a big reason we're here. When people come to visit us, we'll take them out and, and show them, you know, herds of deer, elk, if, if we know where they are. Um, but uh, we have to help them out if, if we expect those to continue as Colorado continues to get more people here. One last point real quick. Uh, we're over time, but we'll make it up next half hour. And that's, if, if depending on the amount of snow we get, you know, we, we mentioned that deer and elk will lose a tremendous amount of weight over the winter. We don't want people to think they should feed these animals. Now, we don't have time to get into all the details, but that can be very detrimental, can't it? Yes. The, the, what we would provide these deer uh, hurts them more than helps them. So, uh, you know, they'll make it on their own. Yeah, don't provide them any hay or dog food or anything like that. All right. We have to run, Joe, but thanks. That's a great message. You know, folks, get out, enjoy the outdoors. Just be conscious of the impact you're having. Joe, thanks for joining us as always. Thank you. That's Joe Lewandowski, Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Um, Karen, do we have a winner on the text? We do. And that uh, the answer to that was the parking for International Sportsman's Exhibition will be at Elitch Gardens this year. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Colorado State Parks and Wildlife will do at the uh, International Sportsman Show. on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going right to the phones where we're joined by uh, Travis Duncan from Colorado Parks and, Parks and Wildlife. Good morning, Travis. Good morning, Terry. Beautiful day out, isn't it? It is. You know, it's going to be, we're not getting that steady winter condition yet. We're going to talk a little later in the show how that's affecting the ice fishing conditions. But boy, right, if you want a day outdoors, just to hike around and look around and just go out and have some fun. What a beautiful day. We get these days in Colorado. But we want to bring everybody indoors next weekend because we are having the uh, International Sportsman's Exposition. We're gonna, we've been talking about it on the show. We'll talk about it some more in addition to other topics. But Colorado Parks and Wildlife is a big part of that show, isn't it? We are. We've been doing it for, for quite a few years. Uh, we coordinate the youth fair there at the International Sportsman's Expo. Um, and so we have a ton of fun activities along with other activities going on at the Colorado Convention Center. Uh, more than 500 companies go in there and, and pack the area with fishing and hunting products and cool expert presentations on, on all kinds of outdoor topics. Uh, this year they're, they're also doing a campfire theater that's supposed to be a you know, more in, informal uh, presentations about the outdoors that you can go and attend at certain times during the day. Um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife always has a lot of fun booths there. Uh, we try to make it interactive, family-oriented, so we have our uh, catch-and-release uh, kids' fishing tank that, that families love. You can get a sense of, you know, of what it's like for, uh, to bring your kid in there and catch a fish with them and, 
and in, in an easy situation, you know, so you're ready to go outdoors. Um, we also have uh, officers there who can answer questions you might have, whether it be about, um, you know, getting your hunting license for whatever season you go hunting or whether it's for park passes or, or questions about state parks. We have um, a lot of info there and a lot of fun activities. No, you're exactly right. In fact, you have that whole youth fair concept as part of your large setup uh, at the uh, at the show. And then, of course, you mentioned you have other things. I want to get back to that kids fishing tank again. That is such an attraction. And I'll tell you what, you know, there's no charge. And if you uh, you just get in line and they get to uh, use a, a rod, then I think it's pre-rigged with either a bait or a fly. I don't know what they use typically. Each year it changes a little. But they get to hook a rainbow trout and feel the tug on the line. And nothing, nothing excites a young angler and gets them excited about going more than somebody pulling on that string, does it? It's true. They love it. Some some of the kids beg their parents just to get right back in line so they can do it again. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a pretty cool experience. And there's things that, uh, you know, there's uh, there's... There's uh, so many displays and information that you talked about down there. The other thing for the, I think kids, is it kids and adults both or just kids, is the um, the remote control cars and the stay of the trail things and some of those. Tell me about some of those. Yeah, definitely. We've done that for a, for a few years now, our, our Leave No Trace uh, challenge trail. Um, so so we have both the, the off-road trail and then this year we've also got a new Leave No Trace challenge trail. Uh, so the idea is that um, you can you can come here and talk about leave no trace principles, and then and then you can do a little activity um, that that shows how you leave no trace. Um, this year we're using a new uh, app called the Agents of Discovery app at our uh, leave no trace uh, challenge trail. Uh, so the idea is that you'll be able to use this kind of interactive app to clean up trash there uh, and also stay on the trail um, during that activity. Yeah, there's just so much going on there. And then the Raptors are always a huge hit with the adults and the kids, aren't they? Oh, yeah. The the Raptors um, near right by our area always bring in folks. Uh, I know I'm always drawn to it. They usually have, you know, a big golden eagle or something really cool on, on somebody's arm there that just draws you in. And, um, you know, you're just drawn in, want to go take a photo and uh, and check out the, the cool animals they have on display. And, you know, there's so much information available there. You mentioned there'd be um, uh, people from Parks and Wildlife there to answer questions about just anything, you know, hunting licenses, your points, um, where can you go, particular parks, um, new new systems. And one system in particular that I think people really need to pay attention to to make sure they, they don't mess up their camping plans, and that's a new reservation system. You started it on a... Uh, Part, partial basis over the last couple of years, but I believe all the parks are going on that new system starting this year. Is that right? That's right. So, so in 2018, uh, we had five parks um, start as pilot programs for the new reservation camping system. Uh, we realized we had uh, basically new purchasing software that would allow us to um, kind of upgrade what we've been doing, get rid of our what we called our three-day reservation window, which meant if you were, say, two days out from when you know you wanted to go camping at a state park, you couldn't make a reservation. You'd have to go to the park um, and just gamble that there would be a site available. Uh, so with this new system, we got the capability to do it, but we wanted to make sure, uh, you know, with the pilot program, we weren't overlooking anything. Were there going to be problems? What kind of problems might we encounter? Was it going to work, you know, uh, for other parks? So 
um, after those five parks did it uh, in 2018, they, they had nothing but, but great success. Um, occupancy rates at the parks were up. Uh, folks understood intuitively how the new system worked. And so um, last year, we, we brought it to 17 more parks um, and had the same experience, just um, great occupancy rates, great uh, experience for both staff and campers. And so uh, the decision was made that January 1st of 2020, we were going to go uh, to statewide. You know, all campgrounds just use this new system. Um, it's very easy. You can either book your campsite at cpwshop.com or you can call a 1-800 number. It's 1-800-244-5613. And, and you book it that way. You can book it, you know, as soon as you pull in the park. If you see there's an open site, you could you could use your cell phone or laptop and, and book the site right there uh, up to six months ahead of time. So it's a fantastic new system. It's easy and um, encourage folks to get out and get a, get a campsite and, and go camping this year. Yeah, really make sure you understand it, folks, because it's going to enhance your camping experience. Uh, and it's another thing you could come and talk to the people at the ISC show about. You know, we've got we've got to move on, uh, Travis, but uh, it's just it'll be great to see you. I just hope a lot of people come out and see all the wonderful things we're going to have at the International Sportsman's Exposition. Definitely January 9th through 12th at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. And looking forward to seeing you, Terry, and, and seeing other folks who love the outdoors. All right. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you down there later this week. All right. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Travis Duncan from Parks and Wildlife. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, Austin Parr is going to join us, and he's going to talk a little bit about what he's doing at ISE, but we're going to get caught up on fishing conditions. We're going to find out what you can still do this weekend, the next few days, right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones, and joining us is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. You know, I've decided you can't fill in for me anymore. (laughs) People like you too much. I'm going to lose my job. (laughs) I appreciate that. No, you filled in quite a bit, and you're just very knowledgeable. Bring a lot. uh, uh, I want to talk to you about a couple things. I know we're talking a lot today about the International Sportsman's Exposition, but I don't want to just have the show be about that. And there's still a lot of people that, I mean, it's a beautiful weekend. People need to get outdoors. Uh, but the conditions have been on and off. They've been steadier in some places than others. I think the rivers are doing well. I think there's some open water. But let's start with ice fishing. What are you seeing and hearing out there? Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of your mountain ice is definitely going to be the, the safest of options. There's a few people that are out on what ice is, is on Chatfield and, and Bear Creek and Cherry Creek, but what's there is definitely not what I would consider ultra-stable. So if anyone's planning on heading out there, certainly a, a spud bar would be in order. Um, but as you head to the mountains, South Park certainly, as we start, uh, has really safe ice, but the conditions and, and fishing have been a little bit slower at places like 11 Mile and, and Antero. However, Terriol has been fishing really well, although not for huge fish. As you move up into the North Park uh, region and Steamboat area, Stagecoach has been fishing really well with really solid ice conditions. Uh, Lake John hasn't quite been as productive as normal, but Delaney Buttes have been fishing really well up there also. And then we're starting to see some good ice in the the, uh, the Middle Park area as well. So Granby, people are starting to run some snow, snow machines out there. Uh, the ice, depending upon where you're at, is, is in that 6 to 8-inch range, but definitely be cautious with that, although it will be growing over the next few days here. And then uh, Williams Fork also has been producing some really good fish. Uh, ice has been solid. 45 foot of water has kind of been the range for the smaller lake trout. Some of the bigger fish have been being caught shallow, although we have not been hearing a ton of reports of, of giants, but good numbers of uh, more of the, the standard small size lake trout. 
You know, I want to talk about uh, North Park a little bit. You talked about uh, Lake John seems to have been a little slower. What I'm hearing from Lake John is that you're not getting that bang, bang, bang action, but the people that know what they're doing are catching big fish up there. And Lake John's another one right now where you can get out with an ATV, a snowmobile, or maybe even a truck, because once it gets, I haven't got the latest ice conditions, but it's one where you can uh, take mobility to the ultimate extreme. And there's a few lakes in Colorado you can do that. Granby's another one. Stagecoach if you're fishing. But Lake John, I think right now is, uh, it's, I think it's not getting the pressure, people, because they are catching more consistent fish at the Delaney's. I think if somebody's willing to put their time in at Lake John, they could catch some big trout. I would have definitely agree with that. And it kind of has been like that the entire season when we've had the boats and everything up there as well, although you're not catching nearly as many. Most of the fish are in that 18-plus inch range with some going into the mid-20s. And, and uh, a, fish... a, lot, a lot of what I've found is, is using a little bit bigger bait as well, like a gulp minnow, like a two-and-a-half-inch smelt-colored gulp minnow rather than the small rat finkies and ratzos has definitely been better for producing those large fish. Well, and, uh, you know, Lake John, uh, an 18- to 22-inch fish is fat. Big, it's yeah. Big. They're it's... very solid. They're fighting hard. Um, they're a good quality fish. By the way, folks, if you go to my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, I actually did fish out of a, a shack up there. They do rent some permanent shacks in addition to taking portable shelters out there. And I used uh, Swedish pimples to tease some very nice fish in. You could see video of that on my YouTube channel. So what else? What about the rivers? What do you hear? I would think, now I haven't been out on the rivers. I've got to admit this. As you know, I've been traveling a lot. But I would think with this warm off and on weather, we've gotten some flows. I would think the winter river fishing both conventional and fly would be pretty good actually i would definitely agree and uh you know your kind of standby location in the denver metro area or at least close to it is uh the deckers and cheeseman canyon area um and the flows have been down a little bit but with that being said uh, when the flows are down the fish a lot of times are a lot more concentrated so that has been uh, pretty good for people that have have been dialed in it's not been super easy up there um and as usual small is definitely better on the fly side of things uh small midges um, and then little beta submergers like an RS2 or a Cheeseman emerger have all been productive. But then on the opposite side of that, you can get fish to react on the conventional side of things. So rather than having to go really small, throwing a little jerk bait or a jig in there, a marabou jig or a tube jig can be really productive. Uh, Waterton Canyon is kind of the same way up higher um, in the canyon. Definitely with a bike or hiking up past that three-mile mark is going to be uh, the best for you. And then the Pueblo tailwater, as usual, is one of my favorites this time of year. Although we've been having very mild conditions, even when we don't have mild conditions, Pueblo can be very nice uh, as far as weather is concerned. Uh, and the fishing down there is usually quite productive. Small red midge larvae, little zebra midges can be good, and red jujubatus along with egg flies all will produce really high-quality fish. I mean, as, as quality as anywhere, any tailwater in the state as far as average down there. Oh, you're absolutely right. And that kind of that kind of segues into the fact that if you want to fish from shore, uh People don't catch a lot of trout at Pueblo in the lake itself, the reservoir, during the summer. But in winter, there's some incredible rainbows that cruise that shoreline. And if you find shore by open water, which you usually can up there, you can have some tremendous open water fishing or a boat. Yeah, yeah. If you have cabin fever right now and you want to get your boat out, Pueblo is the spot. 
Um, a lot of the fish are, are sitting a little bit deeper out there. And going back to some of my favorite open water techniques, being blade baits and jigging wraps, uh, you can utilize your, your electronics to find some of your fish on some of your deep breaks out there. But just keep in mind that when you're catching any fish in, in that deeper than 30-foot water range, you really have to be sensitive on how fast you're bringing them up. It can really affect them as, as far as giving them barotrauma uh, as you're bringing them up fast. So certainly keep that in mind. But uh, some of those deep water fish have definitely been being cooperative and will remain so all the way up basically until the spawn. Well, now you've helped me with a segue again. You must be a professional radio guy. But <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the ISE show, and you talked about the jigging wraps, which are one of your favorite presentations. And uh, another fellow that's going to be joining us, he'll be on later, you might want to listen in about a half hour or so, is uh, Dylan Nussbaum. Uh, he's a national walleye tour uh, champion, the youngest one ever. And at one point during the ISE show, He's going to talk about what how he likes to do um, uh, snap jigging. He calls it with flat wraps and jigging wraps. Are you covering? You're covering some of that too, I believe. Tell me what you're covering at the International Sportsman's Exposition. Yeah, so I have three different uh, presentations that I'll be doing. One of them certainly will be encompassing some jigging wraps and blade baits, being my presentation entitled Chatfield and Cherry Creek through the season. So we'll go through the springtime, early spring, summer, and fall. And we'll talk about all the different ways that you can catch fish out there and all my favorite ways. So certainly the jingle wraps and the blade baits will uh, be featured in that, uh, to say the very least. Uh, but then we'll also be discussing uh, the specifics of fishing soft plastics for trout throughout the season. So whether it be the open water or on the ice. And then in the expert's corner, I'm going to be going uh, deep into the ice fishing realm and giving an overview of how to ice fish in Colorado. Definitely focusing a lot on trout, but talking about some walleyes as well. We'll have all the different equipment sitting right there in the expert corner, talk about electronics and rods and jigs and how to tie knots and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, the tank really is a cool way to see how those jigging wraps and those blade baits move, and it definitely helps visualize your presentation and and give you an idea when you're actually fishing rather than blindly not quite knowing how that bait's going to react. Well, I I love the tank. Uh, I've been doing tank presentations myself for I'm not going to tell you how many years because I just had a birthday yesterday, and you'll you'll understand how old I am. But <laughs> but uh, the, I love the new experts corner because you know the tank. You're up there. You're talking to a large group of people, and they love the interaction, seeing it in the water. But the experts corner is a table with a banner we have set up by the tank folks. And it gives you a chance to come up one, two, maybe half a dozen at a time and really personally interact. We tried it last year, and it was just overwhelmingly popular. So I'm really excited about that, Austin. As am I. And it gives uh, everyone an opportunity to really look and feel the gear, see how the knots are tied, see what everything looks like, ask specific questions rather than just listening to a presentation. So it does. Uh, it, it's neat because cause for me it kind of seems natural because I deal with that every single day down at Discount Fishing Tackle, and it's kind of the expert corner on the everyday deal. But uh, it gives everyone an opportunity to do that at the Sportsman's Expo, and I think it's a fantastic feature and certainly something that, uh, that attendees should not miss. I, I want to get back before we run out of time. One more thing. You talked about the rivers and the flies. You talked about throwing some other presentations. And conventional fishermen shouldn't shy away from the rivers this time of the year. I wrote an article for Fishing Facts magazine a million years ago, and the title was something about how I aggravate my fly fishing buddies. And as you know, I both fly fish and conventional fish. Absolutely, but I, do I. I can guarantee you that 75 to 80% of the time, I'll catch bigger fish 
on a small jig, whether it's a marabou jig where you can't have scented baits or a, a gulp minnow or even a plastic twister tail, I will catch bigger fish typically than I will on a fly in those conditions. I would completely agree with that. And, and to start with, there's very few fishermen that are out this time of year, so you have a lot more of the river to yourself. But the other thing that the conventional rod really allows you to do is access all the way through the entire river. Rather than the fly fishing, you know, you're, you're somewhat limited depending upon where you're wading or how deep a particular pool is. But when you're conventional fishing, whether you're, you're fishing in a hole that's 20 feet deep or, or 3 feet deep or close to you or all the way on the other side of the river, you can access everything with a very precise presentation. And there's certain times when it's going to catch more fish, and almost all the time it's going to catch bigger fish. All right. Tell them where they, need to, where they can find you if they can't wait for the show. Absolutely. I'm down at Discount Fishing Tackle, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive, which is six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend. We'll be seeing you in just a couple of days. Thank you so much, Terry. I really appreciate it. All right. Austin Parr from Discount Tackle, and he runs a great guide service, too. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Nate Zielinski is going to join us. He's always full of great information, especially this time of the year on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.